Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you... Let's take a quick look at manifesting the prophetic word and um, the second part, part two. Father, we thank you. You've been so good to us, so, so kind to us. Today we give you thanks. You spoke to us all throughout this year. You've spoken strongly to us. Speak to us again, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. How can the word of God become flesh in our own personal lives? And this is the second part. So last week we spoke about the fact that God, when God speaks, it is done. When God speaks, it is done. But we've got to understand what it means by when God speaks, it is done. Psalm 33, verse 9 says, he spoke and it was done. He commanded and he stood fast. So when God speaks and it is done, where it is, is it done in? In what dimension? In what particular reality is it done in? So we spoke about the fact that when God speaks, it is established in heaven. For forever, O Lord, your word is settled. Where is it settled? In heaven. But it happens that physically right now, we are physically speaking, we are on earth. So we need it here on earth. So God speaks, it is done for sure, but we need it here on earth. So how do we make sure that the word God has spoken that is in heaven and done in heaven, settled in heaven, is manifest on earth? That is what we are looking at, all right? So God's prophetic word that is spoken concerning you, concerning me, is that we are going to enjoy showers of blessing. Thank you for the three people that agree. We are going to add showers of blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. That is going to be your portion. That is going to be my portion in the name of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing Satan can do about it. It will be your portion and it will be my portion. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Then this is the anchor scripture, and this is what we're going to explore for the year, for year 2024. It's going to be our bedrock. It's going to underpin our teachings, our worship, our expressions in the house. There shall be showers of blessing. And there will be blessing upon you, blessing upon your children, blessing upon your children's children in the name of Jesus Christ. Blessing upon everything you lay your hands to do. In the name of Jesus Christ. It is the blessing of God that makes one rich and has no sorrow. You won't have any sorrow. In the name of Jesus. The blessing of God is the protective shield. He said, behold, I've received a commandment to bless. He has blessed, I cannot reverse it. Where God has taken you to, where God has lifted you to, it will not be reversed. The joy that God has brought into your life, it will not be reversed. The good news God has brought into your life, it will not be reversed. Let me say this over somebody. You will not suffer reversal of fortune. You will not suffer reversal of fortune. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you are able to handle this and you are able to comprehend what I'm about to say, please make sure your amen is very resounding, including our online church. Listen very carefully. While you are still alive, you will not be spoken of in past tense. In the name of Jesus. Why? you are still alive. You will not be spoken of in past tense. In the name of Jesus Christ. So it is in Jesus mighty name. 
showers of blessing. So how do I manifest this prophetic word in my life? So last week I spoke to you about, you got to understand, you and I must understand the power of the seed. The power of the seed. And we said there are four most important seeds that you have in your life, that I have in my life. And I told you last week, this is a it's an overarching principle, okay? It's a principle that will govern your life forever. It's not just a word for today. Keep that in mind. It's something you need to know and understand. I listened to, I had a message in 1997, preached by a man of God called Dr. Mensa Otebill in London, England, at a conference called the Garden, International Garden of Champions. And he spoke in that conference, and his message was titled, The Value of the Dots. Very simple, the value of the dots. And he spoke about this message, and that message was a message that some people had, some people have definitely forgotten. Some, it did not make any sense to them, you know, and some, maybe they applied it immediately. But I listened to that message, and not immediately as he was speaking, I knew that was not a message for just that conference. It was a message for life. If you want to increase your value, you know, like he said, you know, when you look at a, a number, maybe um, 15.75, 15.75. The dot is in between the 1.5 and the 7.5. In order to increase the value of that figure, all you need to do is move the dot to the right-hand side. Then you move the dot again, and the value keeps increasing. Do you follow? And he spoke about that and told us how to move that particular dot. And that's how life is. You want to increase your value, you move the dot, the value of the dot. And that was really inspiring to me. This message is a message that these seeds are with you anywhere you go in the world. You can apply this at any time. What are the four most important seeds? Last week I told you about them and we unpacked one of them. We're going to unpack the second one today. And the first one, which we unpacked last week, is that the, the most important seed in your life, and this is in order of priority, by the way, is in the order of priority. The most important seed in your life is your life. Your life. You as a person is the most important seed. You know, it's important to bring something to God, to give God an offering, but you got to give yourself first offering. Your life as an offering. John chapter 12, verse 23 to 25. John 12, 23 to 25. You can read it. I spoke about this last week. Okay? Then, how do you give your life as a seed? However, somebody might be asking, do you mean I should go and die? Well, that's not what it means literally. What it means, among many other things, let's look at two things quickly. It means to consciously make God your first and highest priority. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Make him your first and highest priority. You know, Jesus said, if you take your creed and want to follow me, must take his cross, take his own cross. You know, first and highest priority. That's the first thing. You know, seek first the kingdom of God, NKJV. The Living Bible says, if you give him first place in your life, okay, and live as he wants you to. So your life, you know, making God your first and highest priority. This is very important. Many a times, you know, it takes a long time for us to come to the realization that our brain is too small to completely plan and completely give expression to the fullness of our potential. Let me take that again. It takes a long time, many times, for us to know, to come to that realization, to say, ah, my brain is finite, it's too small, it's limited, to completely plan every single thing and to consider every single scenario. 
and plan it out. Consider every single scenario, plan it out, and give complete and full expression to my potential. Your brain is so small. You need assistance. I need assistance. That's why Jesus said, hey, 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 guys, don't go anywhere yet. He said, I'm going to send you another helper. I will send you a helper. Well, a helper is given to somebody, is sent to somebody that needs help. Do you agree with me? Now, if the one that created you and I, because we're the sheep of his pasture, okay, it's not us that created ourselves, but we're the sheep of his pasture. If the one that created us, that designed us, tells us we need help. The one that designed this phone says, if you use it for some time, you need to, the phone will need help. You need to collect the phone again to charge the battery. You say, I, I don't believe in that. I don't like things. I just want to carry my phone. Or my, I bought it anyway. It's my money. You're not going to be able to use the phone. The one that built you and I, that designed you and I, that created you and I, said that you and I need help. Do you think you need help? Yes. <laughs> Do you think you need help? Yes. For sure. I need help. I need help. As, and let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. The stronger your personality, the more the help you need. You know, because some of us are, have very strong personalities. I, I know because I'm, I'm one of them. You know, you have strong personalities, you're strong-willed, you are all of that. Please, that's the, that's the, you need help. You know, because, <laughs> you know, it took me a bit to understand these things. This is, I'm telling you, you know, I had to go to university for it. You know, the same university that Saul of Tarsus went to, he was riding on the horse and God knocked him off his horse. You know, you need to understand. The bigger the things you were getting yourself involved in, the bigger the achievements that are in your past, the more, the more you need help. The, the smarter you think you are, the more you need help. Smart people need more help. Do you understand? Because first, you have to be zeroed out, zeroed out to the point of humility. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. You have to first be zeroed out. You have to first tune you and bring you to the point of humility first. Whereby you can, because initially when they're telling you, can I help you? You say, well, no, I did it by myself. Okay. So you have to leave you. You've spent some time trying to figure it out. Then you now say, is there anybody there? <laughs> can, someone, can I get some help? Why is there nobody helping me? When they now realize that you really mean it, that you need help, then they come. But some other people, before they, as I even get in there, they already say, Lord, before I get approaching, you know I will need your help. I will need your help. So the smarter you are, the more help you need. I never thought I needed help. I was smart. Everything I thought, touched in my life worked for me. So why need God? Why need help? I mean, I go to church. The only reason why I went to church when I was a young adult, and this is true, the only reason why I went to church was just to go tell God, don't dip your finger into what I'm doing. Don't scatter the plan. It's all figured out. True life story. I remember when I was my final year in, the, in pharmacy school, school of pharmacy, I already done well. My results were already, you know, sterling results. Everything was, going to be, was fine. And I already had interviews. You know, the country I grew up in, in those days, the glory is very restored, amen. In those days, while we're in university, the big multinational companies come to our school from year three. They ask for the, some of the best students, and they start interviewing you, and you get a job. So everything was lined up for me. So, so I remember in my final year, I went to an Anglican church called All Saints, you know, in my university, and I, I just go in there, and my attitude was, I'm coming here, and I'm trying to give you this, so you know, understand, don't come and scatter what I'm trying to say. And God says, no problem. I'm not going to scatter it. Just you go ahead and do what you have to do. And I have everything figured out in my head. Uh -huh. Until I went. <laughs> but there was one part I didn't figure out. I didn't figure out the fact that there were astronauts in my family. That was, at least that was one part I didn't figure out. And that those astronauts already had help. They had help from the demonic realm. 
and they had an assignment to make sure that they interrupt and destroy me. I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. So when I, when I started engaging in other things, you know, traveling and trying to do some bigger things, and everything crumbled. And the same me that won so many awards in mathematics and quizzes and everything, I went, I sat an exam that was a grade six exam just to get a job as a clerk, not even a clerk, a junior clerk, tra junior trainee clerk at National Westminster Bank in London, England. This is what is called, what we do in, in the country I grew up in, Nigeria, that we call common entrance exam. The mathematics of it. I was already a graduate. I mean, what is this? When I was in pharmacy school, I was teaching engineering students mathematics as a side hustle. I would take the book, I would read it for two hours, and then I would bring up them together, I would teach them to give me some money. And here I am, I went to start the exam as cocky as I could be. And they came out and they called my name. They called because they called the name of people that didn't make it. And then, <laughs> I showed them the door. And they call my name and they tell me, and you know my name is a bit complicated to pronounce. So if my name was just John Paul, they would have said, John Paul, and I would have just moved out. And I said, And then they call my name and I, I stood up reluctantly. It was like lead was on my feet. And the man said, and I, I, they showed me the door and I walked to the door, you know, not too long, Topsy called me on the phone. I said, how did you go? <laughs> What the time? What the time to be asking me? By the time I got back home, friends, I was very humble. Ah, when I took the Bible, <laughs> you know, you know, ah, the Bible, the Bible is an interesting book to read when you're humble. Hmm. You begin to see things, you know, for the first time in my life. I and mean, these are the stories I've heard from church long ago. For the first time in my life. Because as I listened, something just told me that there was a character in the Bible called Joseph that had great dreams, but he was reduced to the pit. So I, I, was, so I just went to him. I started looking at his story. Joseph had a dream. I said, yeah, yeah. I started reading it, and he ended up in the pit. And I started reading it. And that story started bringing a bit of encouragement to me. But for the first time, my ears were open. Do you, have you ever seen unbelievers fast? The fast and say, I will fast. As a young believer, I started fasting, started praying. This time I was just praying, oh God, just even take me back to where, what level I was before. I'm not asking for greater things. <laughs> to zero me out, it took a while. But when God saw that my will, I was broken. Ah, I was broken. Before I never understood. As somebody can say, they went into an examination hall and they didn't do well. What is that? Did you not read? I couldn't understand it. Right now, bro. I understand it very well. So as a pastor of a church, when somebody comes and says, Pastor, you know, that exam didn't go, I said, let me give you a hug. Don't worry. <laughs> I understand it. The race is not to the swift. It's not as easy as that. Are you still in this house? Yeah, yeah. When you do something, I've done I've done stuff in my life. It didn't work out. I, I understand it. You know. But for you, things are going to change in your favor. In the name of Jesus Christ. So make God first place. Don't wait until you are knocked down from your horse. Make, take, let God take first place. So if you see somebody like me and many other people in house of praise, taking God very seriously, waking up in the morning, being so zealous, you're thinking to yourself, why? Because we found out that our security is in him. We found out that we can't count on our own ability to be consistent. We can't. 
you know, we can only count on his own ability because he does not change. Are you with me, somebody here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. All right? Another way we give our lives to Christ is by loving other people. Give your life to love other people. And look at what this says. John 13, verse 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Okay? By this you will be, you will all we know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And I told you last week that because we're moving, we're now in this particular season, you know, towards the end of the year, it gets even more pronounced. People are lonely. You know, this country called Canada, it can be brutal. There's this strange visitor that comes to visit us around December called winter. You know, it comes in here, you know, just does his own thing, and it's cold outside, and you're the only one here. You have families on different parts of the world. They're calling you on WhatsApp and other places and all of that on the phone. You're reaching out to them, you know, FaceTime and all of that, but it's not the same. Are you with me? Particularly some of us that grew up in large families, it's not the same. It can be lonely, and many people that have come into the country have found, and found it to be so. So, and some other people are here, we've got to make sure that we reach out to each other. Anyone who hates his brother, First John 3, 14 to 18, or sister, is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives. You see, that's where it's from. Giving up our lives. But for who now? For our brothers, come on now. And sisters, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? It's very important that we redefine the purpose of wealth and not allow the world to define the purpose of wealth for us. Okay? It's not about accumulation. If you're in the kingdom of God, it's not about accumulation. No. It's about significant impact in the life of others. Okay? It's, it, the whole idea is to have sufficiency, to have sufficiency in all things, that you may have sufficiency in all things. But it doesn't stop there, that you may abound in every good work. Can I hear an amen? amen. So you show compassion to other people. All right? Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show it. How? By the truth of our actions. There's no better time to show it than around this season when you see lonely people, you see people that are widows, you see people that are single, okay? You see young people that are students, be a blessing to them. Even you see families that are, you know, maybe perhaps they just come into the country, they're facing a bit of a challenge here and there. You see, and you know, and this winter reveals a lot. Can I speak freely, please? Can I speak freely? This winter reveals a lot. You see somebody coming into church, you know, you see, you see what they're wearing. You see the jacket. You know this jacket cannot even handle spring. Can I speak freely? You see them. You know, be, a help. Be, be of help to them. Be of help to them. You know, you know it. That the, the, the jacket cannot even handle spring. I remember when I came into Canada here, Topsy and I, the jacket we got, we brought from London. The jacket is not Canada rated. You know, it can't handle this place. But we couldn't change that jacket for over, well over a year because that's, what, that's all we, we had. We couldn't change it. And the, the winter is brutal, you know. Be of help to people. Praise God. 
You know, and when you're doing it, please always remember, if God is the one helping a man and God is the one helping them through you, which you're not going to lose your reward, okay? But if God is the one helping man, he does not do it at the expense of their dignity. God always preserves the dignity of human beings. Whether they're believers or not believers, it's God that created everybody. You must preserve the dignity. Can I hear an amen? amen. And there must be no underlining motive that is unscriptural. It has to be with free motive and also, you know, wisdom demands that if you're going to be doing something to be of help to young ladies or single women or anything, if you're married, make sure your wife is there. If you're not married, make sure you have a witness there, okay? Don't let anybody misinterpret your good intentions. Are you still with me? Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't let anybody misinterpret your good intentions. These are all very, very important things, okay? Make sure your wife is very, very much aware. Don't let somebody go to your wife and say, ah, thank you, ma, for the gift. And your wife says, which gift? My <laughs> So your husband gave me a gift. Please, you know, I... And your wife get back home and you say, honey, what are we doing for Christmas? I say, Christmas? I will tell you what you're going to do for Christmas. <laughs> you know, apply wisdom. Amen. So this week I want us to look at the second seed we have. Thank you, Lord. The second seed we have is the word of God. Remember, this is in, in, in the, you know, I've learned it up in, in, from the highest priority to the lower priority. Your life is the highest priority of the seed you have. The next important seed you have uh, in terms of priority is the word of God. Luke chapter 8 verse 11 says, the parable is this. This is Jesus Christ speaking here. The seed, the seed is the word of God. So we have all manners of other seeds, but the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Never forget that. The seed is the word of God. The importance of word, let's look at the importance of the word quickly. The importance of the word is this. The grass withers, thank you Lord. The flower fades, but the word of God stands for how long? Two years? One year? Forever. Please, don't, this thing I'm telling you, don't take this lightly. The only thing that will never be destroyed is what is built on the word. You know, the pandemic taught us a lot of lessons and, you know, steered us up to see many things, the pandemic. In North America alone, as of 2021, 23, North America now means the U.S. plus Canada, 23,000 churches had closed. You know, the, the statistics that was gathered, the research that was done in 2021, I don't know what the statistics is right now, 23,000 churches closed. You know, in Canada here, one of the bigger churches in Canada here, that our administrator will go for a meeting in that church, go for a meeting in that church before the pre-pandemic, go for a meeting in that church, they have a meeting of, groupings of, of a group of administrators, you know, and they were doing very, very well, you know, and they were bigger than HOP and all of that. And so our administrator will go in there, sit there with all of these other administrators of other churches, and they will sit in there. Once the pandemic hit, they just said, they're closing the church for the next two years, straight, because nobody was coming. We gotta be, we gotta, but if you build something on the word of God, it will stand forever. I pray for you. Whatever God has built through you, whatever the, through the works of your hand, it will not collapse. Yeah. Your marriage will not collapse. Yeah. Your connection with your children will not collapse. Yeah. 
Your morality will not collapse. Amen. Your destiny will not collapse. Amen. Your business will not collapse. Amen. Your career will not collapse. Amen. Your health will not collapse. Amen. Your health will not collapse. Amen. Your health will not collapse. Amen. Your relationship with God will not collapse. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It stands forever. And please, let's build our Particularly, let me speak a little bit, let's spin off a little bit here. Concerning marriages, a lot of young, uh, young people are getting married. Many people are getting married again next year. Our calendar is already filled, filling up very fast again about marriages next year. Thank God for that. You know, many got married this year. And we're starting with speed again next year. And there's marriage galore everywhere. And, and we thank God for that. Let me encourage you, and for many of us, I've been married for, for quite some time. Um, including myself, is you know, it's, it's not a joke. It's not. It's 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 a. Uh, it's um, going to be 28 years on the 20th. So it's it's a lot. So, so, but it's the what has kept us. And you know, I, I, well, I, 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 when I said some things like this, it's not a joke. It's not that one is trying to. It's not a public relations thing. I'm telling you, it does not look like 28 years. It does not look like 28 years. And part of what I know, I know God. Grace has used to help us is that the thing is built on God's word. It's built on God's word. The word of God is, it's not because we're pastors or not pastors. We didn't know we we're going to be pastors when we agreed on that. We agreed on that from the very beginning. It's going to be based on God's word. It's whatever the word of God is saying, that's the final authority. If the word of God is saying it, we accept it. That's it. I, I don't, I might not like it. I might not, uh, we accept it. If the word of God is saying it, that's what it is. Do you follow what I'm saying? Once it's built on that, it will withstand any pressure. It will withstand pressure. The challenge many people are having is that they want to build their life, they want to build their relationships, their marriages on what they're saying in, Hol in Hollywood, what the stars are saying on pop culture, on the different things, on master classes they've attended on online that is not anchored on God's word, on what is the latest trend. And the latest trend is going to fade away. Zero fell away in the generation of my parents. In the generation of my parents, the people that were born in the 30s, 20s, 30s, 40s, in that generation, in Nigeria where I grew up, you see our fathers, they build their houses. When they build their houses, they will have daddy's bedroom. <laughs> and they will have mommy's bedroom. Come on, anybody understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you, do, is it true? daddy's bedroom and they have mommy's bedroom. So right there and then as they, as they built the brick, and those houses were not built with drywall. They were brick. Brick. I saw those brick. If you hit it like this, your shoulder will be dislocated. <laughs> brick. They, as they built the brick, right there and then, there's separation. There's separation. There's separation. And then in the new generation, God started giving us more wisdom. I said, no, 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 no. It's not in line with the word of God. Don't do your own house and have daddy's bedroom and mommy's bedroom. Once you start separating each other like that, you're already in trouble. So Topsy and I, when we get married, we look at the word of God and we said, we agreed based on the word of God. Nothing must ever happen, no matter how, no matter what happens, you must not leave the master bedroom. I must not leave the master bedroom. Both of us must sleep in the same place. Uh, first and foremost. No matter what, we're sleeping in the same place. So, whenever the fight is, let's fight it there. I end it there. This is true. We agreed on this before we got married. You are not leaving, I'm not leaving the place. Nobody's leaving. 
Some people don't have that kind of concept. They get married. Some people get married. It's not even that they're quarreling. Their mother-in-law comes from Africa. They vacate the master bedroom for the mother-in-law to sleep with the daughter in the master bedroom. Or the mother-in-law was still to sleep with the son. No, no, not sleep with, but sleep in the same bed, you understand? <laughs> what kind of thing is that? And so it's our culture, then it's demonic. It's not scriptural. I know some of you cannot say me because that's, that's your trouble. Yeah, it's demonic. It's not even, it's very demonic. Very demonic. Very demonic. What kind of thing? Am I married to my mother? What's that? What kind of thing is that? I don't mind my mom staying in the best of, best of place, far better than me, but I will never vacate my, mass, my room, my bed, my bed of my marriage for anybody. Why vacate that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. You don't do that. You don't do that. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. You can, you can do your Bini culture. You can do your Yoruba culture. You can do your Igbo culture. You can do your Caribbean culture. You can do all of that. But listen to me. Don't, if not, that's why Jesus said the word of God is now of no effect. But you see, you cannot pick one part of your culture because you like that and live with that and expect the benefit of the word of God. It doesn't work that way. And when the enemy comes, what you can say to the enemy is, it is written. Not according to my culture. It, it is written. It's what the enemy understands. I stand by it. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. You see, men, they're not joined to their wives. They're not joined to their wife. You say, what can I do? So where are you going? I'm going to hang out with the boys. I'm going to hang out with the boys. You've been married for one year. You're still living an independent life. You're going to hang out with the boys. You don't, have, you don't understand the meaning of shared accountability. He says, submitting to one another. Have you seen that in the scripture? Give it to me in Ephesians. And I don't know why this is a marriage seminar, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So if you're not doing that, you don't fear God. It's as simple as that. It's not a matter of, you don't know my wife. No, you don't know God. You don't fear God. It's as simple as that. He didn't say submit to one another if your wife is good. So you pick that. They ask you, do you take this woman? You say, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, once you say yes, there is yes. Submit it to one another. So your wife calls you. Hello? Where, where are you? Why are you calling me? Why are you asking where I am? I'm with the boys. No, you're not, you're not the man, you're a boy. Hey boy, hey boy, for this cause a man shall leave. A man, you have to be man enough to know what to leave behind. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. A man is not a function of age. You can be 50 years old and you're not a man. So I want to get married, I want to get married. Are you a man? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Friends, I have to let you know this by the grace of God. 20th of December this year, it will be 28 solid years. Ave Cabo Zimigadia. And if you see my wife this morning, she looks like a teenager. You see, I think she's somewhere in the junior church area when she comes in. You will see, like a teenager. In fact, when she dressed up this morning, she was on her way out through life story. My son took her and said, Ah, you look like a preteen. I said, I 
I said, don't worry, you're not pretty, you're just thin. <laughs> Please, understand that. That's why there's, there's peace. There's peace. We have peace. We have not, I've not picked the phone to call her parents. Hello, sir. Yes, sir. Ah, please, sir. Please, come and wonder. Come and wonder right now. No, why? Why? I've not called the brothers. Hey, come and tell your sister because I'm very upset now. No, what is that? I can't even, even if I want to act a movie, I can't even bring myself to that level of anger. And it's not me as a person because you need to know where I'm coming from. Volatility is the name of the game. Very hot tempered and all of that. But when the word of God says submitting to one another, you tell your wife where you're going, your wife tells you where she's going. Once you say, I do, that's the end of independence. That is the beginning of interdependence. You now depend on each other. Interdependence. Well done, PWA for speaking the truth. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you do these things, you won't have trouble. You know, I don't know how you start the marriage at the first two years, you're already going for marriage counseling. There's nothing wrong if you have to go. But I mean, my mother used to tell me, this is what my mother used to say, and I, you know, it's not that it's in the Bible, but it's in line with some of the teachings. I can figure it out. I can quote scriptures, but I'm not, that's not one of them. That the eye that will last for long does not start bringing out pus in the early, in the morning. If that at age two months, you just started married. You already called, this, this, hello, 911. I will call 911 for you. I'm about to call at two months. This is a long journey. <laughs> And there's still going to be pressure. Whether you like it or not, this is life. There will be times when circumstances will bring pressure on both of you. What are you going to agree on? When the enemy visited my house three years ago and brought pressure, what do you do in such situation? What do you do? If the word of God, is, if the marriage is not even strong, the wife will say, ah, well, I've not been telling you. Call, call, the, call the family and say, come and pick your tino, oh, see. Why? Me and my wife, even when there's one tooth left, if Jesus tarries, we're still together. Hallelujah. We're going to be together. That's it. You don't need to say amen or no say amen. I, I, I'm telling you my own, based on the word of God. You can say your own. We're going to be together. That's it. Nothing. That's it. It's going to be together, together, together. That's it. Amen. And if Jesus tarries, both of us are going to be very old. Papa and Mama. Hallelujah. Sit on fire. Hallelujah. This, that, at that time when the resident pastors of House of Praise will be organizing open heavens, which will be far bigger than anything we ever saw. And they will invite us and they'll say, Mama just wants to come and say hello. She said, Canada is for Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let's, let's, I think we should continue with this one now. I got, before I get myself into trouble today, I'll continue. You're encouraging me. You're encouraging me, sister. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Focus on the word. Focus on the word. <laughs> if she comes, don't tell her anything, though. <laughs> don't tell her anything. <laughs> tell her, I said that. 
<laughs> you know. How do you sow God's word in your heart? This is the crux of the matter. This is part of what people get stirred up. All right, Pastor, I got it now. The word of God is a seed. I want to put it in my heart. How do I sow it? How do I sow the word of God in my heart? So this is very simple. And it's something you know already. But I want to show you the subtle differences here. All right? How do you sow the seed of God's word in your heart? By consistently doing the following. Number one, reading. You know, reading. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 to 15 says, Till I come, give attention to reading. Reading. Reading the word. Reading. Number two, studying. These are things you know already, but I want to emphasize one of them particularly today and show you some of the subtle differences. Studying. 2 Timothy 2.15 and number 3, meditating. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3. If you consistently do this, this is how you plant the word of God in your heart for you to produce fruit. By consistently reading, by consistently studying, and by consistently meditating. So I'm going to show you some of the subtle differences now. Have you captured that? All right. So let's look at some of the subtle differences. Before we do that, look at the scripture. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of God dwell, how? Richly in all in you. Richly. Richly in, in you. Richly. Not, not sparingly. Richly. Let it. Let it. Okay? All right. So the question is this, reading, studying, meditating are similar activities. You agree with me? But what are the differences then? So I'm going to show you just one difference, tell you what does, which one does what and why it's so important to make sure because many people are interacting with God's word, but it's not being planted in their heart. And I want to show you why it is so in a minute, all right? So please, notice this. Write this down if you're writing, please. When you read the word of God, what it does to you is to bring you to the point of awareness. Please listen carefully to this because this is what, you're going to need this throughout next year and the rest of your Christian life. When you take the Bible and you read God's word, it only brings you to the point of what? Awareness. awareness. So you're aware of the story. For example, this morning, by the grace God has administered to me, I read my scripture when I woke up this morning. And as part of my regular reading, I read as part of the story in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 9 and 10. And it was talking about Jehu, how Jehu was anointed to become king, and Jehu was anointed to destroy the whole household of Ahab and, and, and that. So Jehu, the son of Nimshi. So I, I read that. So I'm aware of that story. So if somebody was to mention about Jehu now, who destroyed, somebody else will ask me a question, who destroyed the house of, who was the king in Judah that was anointed to destroy the household of Ahab and to kill Jezebel? It was Jehu. I'm aware of that. But that does not, that is not planting. That has only brought me to the point of what? Awareness. But this is where many Christians stop. 
And say, but I'm, I know the world, but I'm, I have the world. But yeah, you are aware of it. It has not done anything to you yet. This is what you should also note. Studying the word then is what brings about understanding. Understanding is superior to awareness. Understanding is superior to awareness. The entrance of your word gives understanding to the simple, brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 119 verse 130. The entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Now, that word, the word translated as entrance there in English is actually the word that means exposition. So the exposition of your word, which is systematic study of the word that leads to that exposition, is what brings understanding. Understanding. Understanding is superior to awareness. What is superior to awareness? How does understanding come? Studying. 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 So many of us have been reading the Bible, but we don't understand. Because we are reading, you are not studying. You are reading, we are not studying. We're reading, we're not studying. There's a difference. I'm not going to get into the technical difference of how to do that now. When we talk about spiritual intimacy in the turn of the year in January, I will talk a bit more about that because this is something that is a big deal to me. It's very important. This morning I woke up, which is what we do in our devotions. In our devotions, usually 99.99% of us in our devotions we will usually read. And that reading is good. It will bring us to the point of awareness. And you know the amazing thing? You know that you have not crossed that point of awareness at all. When you read the story again and you can't even concentrate, you are rushing through because you already know it. That means you are still at the, very much at the point of awareness. Today is not the first time I'm reading the story, that story of Jehu. I know it. But I was rushing for time, so I just read it through, okay, which is good. It's beneficial. But the benefit is very minimal compared to when you have an understanding of the word. Can I hear an amen? amen? All right. But understanding of the word is not enough. You need to move to the third layer, which is meditating. It is the meditation, meditating on scriptures that leads to the planting of that word in your heart. Ah, thank you, Jesus. The meditating on the scriptures is what leads to the planting of the seed of God's word in your heart. Now, when you get to this stage now, you don't have to try and remember it. Let me explain this to you. When you are reading, when you read the word of God, you are at the point of, it brings you to the point of awareness. When somebody asks you, you can say, yeah, Jehu, yes. You say, oh, who was that Jehu? Yeah, um, Jehu, yes. I'm trying to remember that Jehu, yeah. He, yeah, yes, yes, yes. He was the one that killed all the sons of Ahab. God used him to bring judgment on the household of Ahab and then dealt with, the, with Jezebel, okay? He was the one that also killed all the people that were worshiping Baal, you know, in Israel. And God's reward for him was that he was, he was going to have his descendants, four generations were going to rule over Judah. Now, I've been able to capture this because I've read this several times, so I'm able to remember a lot more. In the, you might be able to only remember pieces of the information. All of this is at the level of your mental abilities, okay, memory. And at this point now, somebody that might have a stronger retentive memory, whether short-term memory or long-term memory, might look like they know it more than the person that might not have that. Are you with me? And at this point now, it looks like the person that has a stronger memory 
that can really love the word of God, it looks like they're more spiritual. And you might think the person is more spiritual than the person that cannot, that cannot capture that in the memory and read everything out. So you might think, oh, this person cannot quote the scripture. How do that then they can they say they know the scripture? The word no in the Bible is not the word cram. <laughs> the word no in Hebrew is the word yad, mainly, which is to touch. To touch, experiential, okay, in the Hebrew. Experiential is also the word that is translated many times as sexual intercourse. When you say, Abraham knew his wife, okay? Abraham knew his wife, okay? So it's, it's talking about deep intimacy. You have, you have come into a level of contact with that word. And that point is not talking about, that reading doesn't get you there. The studying part means you now have an understanding of what the scripture is saying. You have an understanding. At this point, you can communicate it, you can teach it, you can use your own words, you can use illustrations, you can use all of that. That is fine. But you might still not be at the point whereby you can produce the result. Listen carefully to me. Because, you see, to produce the result, you need the seed. The seed needs to be in your heart. It is this seed being in your heart because faith is never man-generated. Faith is always God-generated. Faith is an act of God. It is the author of our faith. Are you with me? But what he uses to, the key word, the word in scripture, in Greek, is pistis. What, what it means is to birth, okay, a supernatural power in your heart to believe God. To birth that power, it needs a seed. That seed is the word of God. So the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that, it needs that seed. It is that seed he uses to birth that faith in you. If that seed is not given to him, him now being the Holy Spirit, he can't birth that faith in you. So you are going to have it in your head, you read it out, you quote the scripture, you speak about it, but it's not real. When the word is not planted in you, please listen carefully. When the word is not planted in your heart, you and the word has not become one. Think about it in the natural. A woman says, meet my husband. So praise God. That's your husband. Oh, fantastic. You know, of course, we know the two of them shall be one. We know that. But it's slightly different from a pregnant woman. When you see a pregnant woman, she's carrying a pregnancy. Okay, the seed is there. All right? So she gets to the, she gets to the immigration. She wants to go by. She brings out only one passport. Am I correct? Not two international passports, just one passport. Shows them one piece of education. And they allow two people, sometimes even three people to go through. With only one passport. Why? Because they are one. They are together. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? When the word of God enters you, is planted in you, you are pregnant. It's only a matter of time before you give birth to it. So everywhere you go, you're carrying it with you. And in the realm of the spirit, they can see that pregnancy getting bigger and bigger. So what the enemy wants to do is to help you miscarry that word. You have to say, no way, I'm not miscarrying this word. So, but you have to plant it. 
Now, what frustrates many people is that they hear a message like this, they go back home, they try it. So I want to show you a bit of an illustration today. Is that, can I do that? All right. Can I have the pieces, please? I just want to show you something simple, just that the Holy Spirit used to explain this to me some years ago, and it just, it helps me when I'm believing God for something. Just give, bring me the elements. Let me just show you, show them something quickly. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Are you getting something from this today? All right. Okay. Can you open two of the bottles, please? Yeah, just leave it there. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Can we give them a big round of applause, please? All right. So what, this is what the Holy Spirit is explaining to me. You know, the Word of God is likened to many things in the Bible. It's likened to a sword. It's likened to spammer, a seed. It's likened to a hammer that breaks the rock. It's likened to many things. It's likened to spirit, but it's also likened to water in Ephesians 5. Do you agree? All right. So this glass is transparent. It's, it's, uh, there's nothing inside. Okay, I'm not doing magic. I'm showing you the illustration. Because <laughs> some of you are getting, you just woke up excited. <laughs> like one young boy came, asked me, he said, he said, do you have supernatural, do you have, can you do magic, do you have supernatural powers? <laughs> you know, I said, the one inside me has, yes, he has supernatural powers. You know, so you see that it's void, or it's a glass cup. Now, this is like our inner man. It has a finite capacity now. So your inner man, your spirit man, you can expand it and all of that, all right? But this one is empty now. Your spirit man is there, it's empty. You're praying, you're doing all of that. If you're praying and praying and praying and praying, and you, there is no word of God, what you've just done is expanded your inner man to this capacity. But still, there's no word. But without the word, you can do nothing. It is the word that God confirms. So, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, you have grown from here. Your spirit is expanded, but he's still looking for the word. Now, also, depending on what you are believing God for, you have to understand, you have to increase your capacity. What am I believing God for? This might be able to handle it. What you are believing God for, he might have to take this to handle it. Now, listen, however, so you want to start engaging with the word. So you read the word, understanding, you read the word, now you are aware. You are aware. The word is there. You are aware of it. It's here. Okay? Somebody asks you, how many meals is this? What is there? 500 meals. You are aware. You can quote that. All right. Fantastic. But it hasn't done you anything. Now, when you get to the point of understanding, studying it, that is when the word is opened. So the word is now opened to you. Okay? You are getting a better understanding. So at this point now, you can dip your finger in. You can see the characteristics of what is there. The wetability of water is wet, is this, is that. You can feel that. Is it cold? Is it hot? Are you with me? But it still hasn't done you anything. When you start meditating, it's when you start planting. So, but this is where the problem is with us. So you hear a message like that and you start meditating. You go back home tomorrow, you start meditating on the word. And you do this now. For a day. For two days. You say, well, I've done this thing. I don't know. Pastor said we should do it. I've done this thing. I still don't feel anything. You feel something, but you only feel it a little bit. You still can't feel the effect 
but it's there. What you have to do is continue. John chapter 8, verse 31. Put it on the screen. John 8, 31. You see what Jesus Christ said? If you, John 8, 31, can you give me to me in the translation where it says, if you continue in my word, John 8, 31, then are you my disciples indeed? You shall know the truth, verse 32, the truth shall set you free. But the key word is, if you continue, verse 31. John 8, 31, look for the translation that says, if you continue in my word. So the continuity, you know, day and night, day and night. Are you with me? So what you have to do, okay, yes, KJV, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, that's it, then shall you be my disciples indeed. And what will happen if I continue, keep going, you will know the truth. Many people have never come, they are aware of the truth, but they don't know the truth because they don't continue in the word. You have to continue in the meditation, continue in the meditation. You know, you see, as we are doing this now, scientifically speaking, as the water is getting more and more in the cup, air, the air inside the cup is reducing, it's coming out. Do you agree with me? Lord, give me science students, please. It's simple now. The air inside the cup is, is okay. The empty space inside the cup is reducing, right? So the unbelief is reducing. The faith is rising. So at this point now, you are at the point whereby you are believing. But you're still also not believing. So when you're at that point where you believe, but you also don't believe, you know, don't knock yourself. It's okay. What is just telling you is go back again to it again. Keep meditating. Keep meditating. Keep meditating. Keep meditating. You get to the point whereby I don't want to pour out the old water. It's to get to the point whereby you feel it, when you really feel it, is when it gets to this point. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 to 21. He said, being fully convinced. The word fully convinced there is to be in full measure. That he who has promised is able to perform it. You see, many people see the promise. They try to hold on to the promises because that, that they are aware of. Uh, then you are going to be tired. Because no man can hold on. Only God can hold you. So it is the meditation that when you see someone that has meditated on the word over a period of time, they are now at the point of John um, Romans 4, 21, whereby they are no longer wavering at the promise. You can waver at the promise. You're no longer wavering at the promise through unbelief. You are now fully convinced, means full measure. This is the point whereby even when you want to doubt, you can't doubt anymore because there's no air in your glass. You say to yourself, somebody says to you, bah! I say, I'm not saying God cannot do it, but they said it's stage four cancer. You tell them, listen, it's going down. He said, but last week they said it's stage three, but now they said it's stage four, and they are spread. You tell them, we're not looking at the things we have seen. And they're wondering why. They can't understand because they think the same promise they are holding on to is what you're holding on to. But we're not holding to promises now. I have meditated on the word. The word has built, built up inside me. It has pushed out the unbelief. I'm now at the point where if I want to doubt, I can't doubt. Do you understand? Yes. Now, let me say this to you. This is where the challenge is for many Christians. For this to happen, if you continue in my word, it's a function of time. You need 
to convert your time to a period where you can meditate. You have to meditate. You need time. But you are going to, there will be many things that will be fighting for that time. Particularly in this period now, many things will be fighting for the time. You need to meditate on the world. But many things will be distracting you, fighting for your time, and you won't have the time to do that. You will have to be the one to intentionally carve out that time to meditate on it until the thing becomes so real to you. When it's at that point, you are not holding on to it, it's holding on to you. I can tell you on the authority of God's word, we will have to lock the door on that day. I don't believe it. What brings that kind of a confidence about? So some people, when I was younger in these things of God, I used to confess to have, that's the way we're taught by the school of word of faith. You, you, claim, you, you name it and claim it. So you speak it so you can have it. That's word of faith. But it's actually deeper than that. What actually should happen according to scripture is that I'm saying it because I have it. I'm saying, if I, no, no, this doesn't look so strange to you if I say, I have an iPhone. It doesn't look strange to you, Nana. And I can say that you won't say, I'm proud. Okay, if I tell you I have an iPhone, am I proud? Why do you think I'm not, why do, why do you think I'm not proud? Because I have it now. So if I'm telling you this is going to happen, you say, but I have it because I have the receipt. I'm only going there to cash in on the receipt I already have. This is the way these things work. I know I will not die young. How do I know? I've meditated on the word to that point. You have to meditate on it. It takes time. Now, second thing is this. So, Pastor Charles comes around and shares a testimony and tells you that, friends, you know what? I was believing God for days and it was a bit challenging. Then my wife and I, we read these scriptures and we gave ourselves to these scriptures. It took us about three months and then we believed God for it and we got it. I said, ah, fantastic. I like that testimony. Three months. Honey, we can do three months now. But you see, you have to understand, Pastor Charles might not have told you that before he started his three months journey, his faith was already on this level. So all that was required was just to top it up. Are you with me? Yes. What you are believing God for, and when I say you're believing God for now, you're believing God for, look at it from a mathematical point of view because God speaks to me in these ways. You know, so what you are believing God for, you're believing God to get to 10, all right? Charles is believing God to get to 10 because that's the testimony you had. Charles started from eight. He just needed to top it up because his grandfather, great-grandfather, and he himself, they've worked on it and he's now on eight. It gets there. You are believing God for 10 also. So you think to yourself, well, just two months. I'll get there in two months. But what you don't understand is that your own faith level, number one, is one. Your grandfather and everything, they've already added a minus equation, a minus factorial. Come on, man. Some of your grandfathers have added a division to the factorial. They've added to the formula. If I let it to the formula. So as you are pouring this thing right now, it's leaking in three places. <laughs> so you're saying to yourself, but I've done everything I can do. Yeah, it works, but it's just that yours is leaking. So we have to first make sure we block the leakages. That might be 21 days of fasting. Come on now. Is everybody understand what I'm saying? <laughs> this is how it happens. Now you, you can compare me to, to Joel Osteen. How are you going to compare me to Joel Osteen? Joel Osteen started with $8 million, 8,000 people. 
see 8,000 people or 4,000 people. 8 million to 8,000 people, buildings and everything. He go, and we started at the same year. It started in 1999, I started in 2000. How are you going to compare me to that? I started with a lot of leakages. Leak, the, the cup did not have a bottom. I have to put my hand there, leakages. So I have to first, that first took some years. Before the cup, my cup can even have a cover at the bottom. Then when I started finding water, thank you, Jesus. <sighs> one drop at a time, one drop at a time, before we can get to this point. The next generation are going to enjoy more. Yeah. And that's what you do for your children. Do you? I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. This period, don't let it just go. Meditate on the word of God. I was telling some of my young, some of my um, uh, young ones the other day when we were having a, a meeting about how God helped me to destroy the sense of scarcity and lack. Because that, that was not in my background. That was not in my background at all. But God helped me to destroy that to the glory of God. I have a sense of management, of stewardship, but I don't have a sense of lack and, and insufficiency. I don't have that sense at all. And the reason, when I look back, I say to myself, how did this actually happen? You know, what, how God helped me was that I started meditating on what heaven looks like. I meditated on what heaven looks like, the resources in heaven. I took time, meditated on it over and over again. When the Bible says, oh, the streets of heaven is gold, some people turn that into a song. For me, I took that in Revelation 21, 21. And for years, I meditated on it to understand that in, you mean in heaven, there is no corner of that place. They don't know what scarcity is. And Jesus said, that will be done on earth as it is common now in heaven. So I must have, my mind must work at the same frequency. And over, it took years. It took years. The one day I realized I woke up, I don't have that sense anymore. If you tell me something right now, I may not have the funds in my hand. If I don't have the funds in my hand, I'm not depressed. It just means I don't have it in my hand. It does not mean I don't have it in my life. It's just not in my hand. And I realized, it's that meditation that gave me the understanding that what is in your hand and what is in your life is different. What is in your hand part time is only a tiny component of what is in your life. What is in your hand part time? So right now, for some of you, as you're sitting there right now, you have a half a million dollars, okay? Liquidity, now I'm not talking of total assets. And you are excited. And some of us are specifically right there, we have $500 and we're depressed. You see, the difference is just that you have to have this mindset that what is in the life of the man that had $500,000, a lot more of what is in his life has reached his hand. But some of yours that is still in, you, in your life, nobody's taking it from your life, has just not reached your hand. You just have to now begin to know how to develop your faith and apply wisdom to make sure that what is in your life can reach your hand. That's it. So, there's no point for envy. There's nothing like that. If it means that at the point, I can tell you that, well, don't worry, I can't buy that. I won't buy that right now because it's not in my hand. So, my language changed from I don't have to I don't have right now. I don't have right now. It changed completely. So, when I came into this building and I saw, and they told me what it's going to cost, you know, and all of that, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid. I didn't have it in my hand. 
We don't have it in my hand. When we started the construction of this building, we had only a million dollars. And a million dollars is not even scratching the surface. But I was not afraid because it was not in my hand. But I know it's in our lives. It's just a way of tapping into it. And Jesus Christ has glorified his name. Come on, give God some praise. It is this meditation that helps you to destroy that, that thing of Balak. You see, it helps you also concerning sickness. You understand when you meditate on God's word that health was in your life before sickness came into your body. You have to think, you have to meditate on that. It has to be real to you. You, you, you know, when he says he himself took my infirmities, where did he take it from? Is it for my body or for my life? Where did he take it from? Where did Jesus take it from? When he said, I got born again, what, what part of me got born again? My soul, my, my body, my finger, my leg. What part of me got born again? My spirit. He regenerated my spirit. So when he took my infirmity, he took what the enemy had placed in my spirit, the legal right the enemy has over my spirit. Then I saw a scripture, Romans six fourteen: Sin shall not longer have dominion over you. And sickness is a root cause. It's, a, it's an effect of sin which is the root. So I said to myself, I meditated on this scripture a lot. And I would say to sickness, you can't have dominion. No way. You can't rule me. You can't decide when I sleep and when I wake up. This is what, what dominion means. You can't decide. No, you're not the one to tell me where to go. You can't be, you can't be the one to decide my schedule. Well, to go to see the doctor today. Go and see this one tomorrow. You can't be the one to decide that. That's dominion. You will not decide that for me. I push you out. And you see, what Jesus Christ did that is already in my life. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 means. We have, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You see? Put it on the screen. Blessed be the God of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every what? Spiritual blessing. So it's in my spirit. It's in my life. But it's not in my body yet. But it's in my spirit. So what came... What first came, I'm not looking for healing. What first came is the healing 2,000 years ago, before the sickness now came. So the sickness is late. It's late. Sickness that came into your body now, it's late. I said, it's late. Eternal life came into, into my heart first before the sickness came. And this eternal life will swallow up the sickness in Jesus' name. When you meditate on it. You know, one woman was on a wheelchair. One woman was on wheelchair, and she had gone for healing service, after healing service, after healing service, she was not healed. She was not healed. So she thought. But she's been hearing the word of God, hearing the word of God. So one day, she said, so over a period of time, I just told her, I said, well, let me just be hearing all these messages of healing. So she was hearing them over and over and over again. So at one point, she had the magazine. You know, she was reading. She was reading this magazine, and the magazine had some healing um, articles there. So she was reading it. While she was reading the magazine, something caught her attention in the magazine. This is a true life story. Something caught her attention. And while she thought to herself, she wanted to shout, shout to rejoice, she took and said, my God, my God. She stood up from the wheelchair. She didn't even know. My God, my God, my God. She was like, Before she realized that, eh? she stood up from the wheelchair. Because the word in her lifted her up. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 2. That's, look at it. Look at it. Look at it in scripture. Look at it. Look at it. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 2. Then the spirit entered me. Come on now. When he spoke to me, he entered me. And what did he do? Set me my feet. That's what happened. So now, what happens is when you read this now, you are aware of this. So, what we do normally, 
There's nothing wrong in it, but that's the starting point. We take the scripture now, we turn it into prayer. Nothing is wrong with it, but it's the starting point. Don't stop there. You now have to, you can study it, look at it in different translations to get a better understanding of it. Then you take the scripture, write it out where you can see it, think about it, ponder on it. That's what meditation is. Ponder on it, ponder on it. Then it becomes real and real. Even when somebody is trying to convince you in your dream, you tell, in your dream, you tell the person, you're a joker. You know, I was going for the, let me wrap this up by saying this to you. I was going for, I was going for the men's, men's conference, men's um, retreat in September, that particular week. You know, um, you know we have this opportunity to host them, um, um, to have some families come to our house sometimes, and they have very little children. They just came in because they live in Hamilton region. And since I'm the mayor of the place, Hallelujah. And collect all the municipal taxes. Praise God. You know. So anyway, they just came. They were just going back and they said, they say hello. But they had little, little children. So and those little children, one of them had cold. So she had come into the house and, you know, play. And, you know, little children, they see pastor, hey, pastor. You know, pastor, hey, pastor. I love that. Then the little children, fine. And you carry them. Then we just realized that the cold virus, somehow, was in the house. So, you know, uh, I just realized on the Monday, on the Tuesday, that I was not functioning optimally. You know, I wasn't having runny nose or anything, but I just not functioning not optimally. I just had a little bit of lethargy. So I threw it away initially. I said, well, you know, maybe it's cold, trying to comfort, but it won't comfort. So I was just speaking to it. I said, no, you will not do this to me, you know, and all of that. Then, <laughs> the, the program was to start on the Friday. By the Wednesday, Thursday, the cold had set in or was setting in. And this is where you have to understand. Thursday night into Friday morning, I had a dream. In the dream, this is cold, right? You can explain logically, right? As I've explained it now. In the dream, I saw somebody walk up and wanted to throw something at me in the dream. And I told the person, stop there. You can't. <laughs> For he himself took our sins in his own body, by whose stripes we were healed. If we were healed, I was healed. And if I was healed, I don't have it. You can't give me. Take it back. I was saying all of that systematically like that in the dream. So when I woke up, you see, Meditation is what allows that. I've meditated on that thing. When I, I said that like that in this, so I, when I woke up, I said, Yeah, <laughs> He said, oh, Yeah, yeah. I said, <laughs> I said, Wake up. Oh. I said, You know that thing? He said, Yeah. He said, What's that thing? I said, That thing now. I said, It's not virus. Oh. He said, Yeah. Hey. Ah. I said, Yeah, oh. The thing is looking like it's virus, but it's not virus. It's an attack of the enemy. Wake up! Let's do it. With, I said, I said, I've dealt with it. The thing is gone. It's not coming here anymore. Okay. I said, but this is what we have to do now. We have to make sure that that person sinks into it. We must make sure that him and his family are given an errand. So we wake up. Shifa yigata, senia, sukrava. First, I first took my shekere. Shiko fuko, shiko fuko, shiko fuko, shiko shivia, shivia, shivia. Are you still with me now? Because I have to travel. 
So I first tra I traveled on the strings of my shakare. I called on all the spirits like a whirlwind. They took me on their wings and they made me travel. And when I got to the strata to legislate, are you with me? If I was not the pastor, I'd be a spiritualist. <laughs> I know it myself. I know it. A very deep one. I can't, I can't be ordinary. Why? We live in a very wicked world. So that's my approach. When I traveled on the strings of my musical instrument, then I said, let's start speaking. He that digs a pit must fall into it. He that rolls a stone, my husband rolled back on it. You see, when I showed up, and you can ask the men, some of them, as they're hearing this now, you can never believe that the Monday to the Thursday, that what people would say generally that I was on that weather in terms of cold, I was a bit lethargic. You can't believe it. I stood on my feet on the Friday, I prayed. On the Saturday, I stood on my feet, I prayed. Sunday morning, I did. I came here, I did a service. You see, all of this, because there was something inside me. You need to have something inside you. Jesus Christ said, even if you cast out a demon from somebody, and the demon goes and comes back and finds the place empty, he goes to recruit seven other more wicked. So that means wicked people cause other people wicked. There are grades in this thing. So, friends, this meditation is not a joke. And please, let me explain something to you. This is not for pastors. When I was speaking in my dreams sub subconsciously, okay, and I was quoting that, I never said at one point, don't you know where I am? I'm the pastor of our surprise. That means you're already dead. It's got nothing to do with that. It is what you have inside you, the word. And there's nobody that cannot be attacked. Jesus Christ said in John 14, verse 30. Look at what he said in John chapter 14, verse 30. John 14, verse 30. I no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and it has nothing in me. He came to Jesus. He came to Jesus in chapter 4 of Matthew, chapter 4 of Luke. He came to Jesus again here. So he's always coming. He's always coming. But make sure when he comes, you already have something in you to push back on. Are you hearing me now? So over this period now, I'm giving you an assignment. Uh -huh. It's a very simple one. It's not long. You will read it. You will study it. And you will meditate on it. Whether you say amen or not, I will release grace on you. It will haunt you. You must do it. Why? Because it's in your interest. I wish I had a pastor like PWA. I actually do. And I'm not being proud. I wish I had. That would challenge me and push me and steer me up and inspire me to fulfill my own destiny for my own benefit. This is what you have to do. This is your assignment. You're going to read Luke chapter 1 to 7. It's only seven chapters. Read it first. First, that's the first thing. Take the translation you understand. Read it first. You know, if you can read, read it in three days. If you can read it in four days, it doesn't matter. It's not the speed context. Read it. Read the whole thing. After you read it, then now study. Start studying. Start studying. You can study a bit of a portion in chapter one. You can be a portion in chapter two. Anyone that catches your fancy. When I say catches your fancy, I'm just using a loose phrase. But what that means is that anyone the Holy Spirit is brooding on, any particular chunk of story there. So from Luke chapter one to seven, if I just run through in my own mind right now, I know that in Luke chapter one, it talks about the conception of Christ and John the Baptist starting from then Christ. 
in chapter 2, it talks about the dedication of Christ in the temple. How Christ grew in, in wisdom and in favor with God. And of course, the birth of Christ at the beginning of Luke chapter 2. In chapter 3, it talks about the baptism and genealogy. Chapter 4, it talks about how Jesus went to the wilderness, all right, and came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was casting out demon, healed the mother-in-law of Peter, and all of that. Okay, and in the evening, the crowd was looking for him in Luke 4, 42, and he told them I have to go to another uh, city because of this is the purpose of God concerning me. All right, in chapter 5, Peter caught many, um, a lot of fish. The boat was sinking. The net was breaking. Okay, that is there in chapter 5. He was healing the sick. The power of God was there. He went to the wilderness to pray often. He was healing the sick. The power of God was there. In chapter 5, he talks about you cannot put the new wine in the new wine skin and all of that. In chapter 6, he prayed all night, chose his disciples. Power was coming out of him and healing everybody that was sick. And he talked about the Sabbath. In chapter 7, he met the widow of Nain. Okay. He did all of that in chapter 7. So that's the whole, just summary quickly now. Now, see, all of that is from reading, all right? But I'm still going to read it myself. And then, it, whatever of all of these stories, any one of the portions, some of them are six verses, some of them are eight verses, some of them are ten verses, that catches, that, that is drawing your attention at that time, that's what you study. What do you now do? You cannot study without a pen and and note. So if your pen and note is on your phone or your iPad electronic gadget, that's fine. You need to study means you must have that. You need to take notes. So that's when you take that and you want to take notes. If it's a story of the widow of Nain, how Jesus raised the dead, you now read that. Read it in more than one translation. That's where you start from. Read it in more than one translation. And don't be in a hurry. You pray, Holy Spirit, Father, I'm studying this now. Show me by your Holy Spirit. Then give me understanding. Then he will begin to give you understanding of what that means. Okay? And as I begin to give you understanding, okay? If you're not getting that much in that one, jump to another part of it, of another part of portion in these seven chapters. Get it? Once you get one or two, okay, that the Holy Spirit is giving you understanding on, that is what you really meditate on throughout the period until next year. Does this make sense to you now? Come on, does it make sense to you now? That's what you now take, you now meditate on. You meditate on that means if you want to be elaborate, you can take that and print it out in different verses, put it in, across your house, in the refrigerator, refrigerator, anywhere, in your study, and now look at it, think about it. Put it on your phone, look at it, think about it, ponder on it. What does it mean? How did they feel when it happened? What did they feel? When Jesus spoke to that boy and said, in, I was already in a casket, and said to him, in, of the widow of name, and said, young little boy, arise. I said to you, arise. You know, who, how can you be speaking to the dead? What does that mean? How did he hear? He was already dead. So what, what, was he, what did he used to hear? So if, he, if his body is already dead and he still had, where was he? What, did he? what was the faculty that he used to hear? So see, this is meditation that brings all of that about now. Do you understand? Yeah. So that means that somebody can still hear even when somebody can still hear something, even when they don't have the natural faculty to hear. That means things can hear. So does that mean that I can also speak to things? If Jesus says, the works that I do, shall you do also? That means I can also speak to things and they will hear. So it's not only anything that has this kind of ears that can hear. It's meditation that brings that about. That means sickness can hear. That means a part of my body that they said is no longer working. If Jesus spoke to a whole human being and the whole human being came up and started working, that means the part of my body that is not working, if it's my womb, I can speak to it. Meditation. You meditate on that, and that gets stronger and stronger on you. So by the time you now say, womb, hear the womb say, yes, I want to hear. 
because you've meditated on it, the power has been generated in you. Stand on your feet like a champion. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many of you truly gained something from this service today? Yeah. Yeah. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Blessed be your name, O God. In Jesus' mighty name. I don't want to be a superstar that everybody is looking at that is the only one that knows the mysteries of the heavens i want to teach you how this is the how it's not mystical this is the how this is what makes people look powerful this is it this is how it's done you understand by the grace of god now over this period now i'm going to be by the grace of god giving myself to meditation and by the grace of god on that day on the day <laughs> on the day when I come out and I share the word and I tell them stand up from where you are start coming and they will start running forward yeah. and somebody that is coming for the first time you look at that and say unbelievable how well it is the power of God unleashed the power of God unleashed the power of God unleashed what did Peter know that 3,000 people were saved. It's not what he said, obviously. He's a fisherman. It's not about oratory. What, what he said, can the people even remember what he said? They said they were cut to the heart. The Bible did not say, and they remembered it. How profound it was, what he said was. But they were cut to the heart. So that means that it's not what they, it's not, it's not what they remembered, it's how they felt about it. What was it about Jesus Christ? That somebody said, hey, 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 Rabbi, we caught this woman in adultery. We're about to stone her to death. What do you say now? An angry mob. And Jesus knelt down. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabboni, what do you say? They literally. And he said 15 words in the NKJV. 15 words. He who has not said, let him throw the first stone. And the Bible says, every one of them being completed in the heart, the stone they had, boom, boom. From the greatest to the least, I'll meet you at home. <laughs> and one of them has also, what are you still waiting for? Our leader has gone home now. What are you? Let's start going. Let's start going. Let's start going. And by the time Jesus said, it's not only the woman. Said, woman, nobody has condemned me. The woman said, nobody. He said, I also don't condemn it. What gave Jesus that level of confidence? What if he said that? He was not saying, let them throw the stone. What if one of them threw the stone? It's called anakazo. That's what that thing is called. It's called anakazo. The compelling power of God that compels people to do things. Anakazo. You meditate on it until it becomes part of you. So when you compel them, you say, stand up! Straight, no doubt, no skin color. Straight, the person will not even know what hit them. Even if they say, Listen to me, honey, I'm betting today, I will never, no matter what happens, I'm not giving my life. When you say, Stand up now, the person will just eh. before they know what's happening, they're already in front. 
So, Jesus, we've not started the prayer. I say, yes, I know. But oh, Jesus, save me, save me. They will not know. It's called anakazo. Power, the compelling power of God. Do you believe it? Yes, and when you will see it, you will see it on the twenty-third. In two weeks, that you will see it. This is the power of God at work. This is the power of God. You meditate on it. You meditate on it. You meditate on it. Lift those hands and ask God for grace. Grace. Lord, you have to show me something I've not seen before. Grace, Lord, to see what I've not seen before. In Luke chapter 1 to 7. I want to see what I've not seen before. Oh, yes. I've had this word today. I want to sow the seed of your word in my heart. Teach me, plant your word in my heart through the means of meditation, oh God. Show me your word. Show me, show me, show me, oh God. Kuvange fatom Oh God of Show me grace, O oh God. And show me, Lord, show me what I do not know, what I don't know, what I've never seen before. As I study this, show it to me, O oh God. Grant me understanding, O oh God. And let your word be planted in my heart, oh God. Oh, the Holy Spirit, help me to plant your word deep in my heart, in my spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you. I honor you. Suva Blessed be your name, oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. 2024 for you. You will not start slowly. You will not start slowly. You're going to come bang out of the gate running. The hand of God will come very heavily upon you. In the name of Jesus. Watch out before the 31st of January next year. You already have at least one landmark testimony. At least one landmark testimony. A long-standing issue will have been solved already for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Just leave those hands and ask for grace for speed. The grace for speed. As I enter into 2024, grace for speed. Speed. No, no stagnation, no slow motion, no delay. Grace for speed. Fuyala, Vakieve, Veyon Tovask, Vranamakavie, Shuvila Tavakasko, No Koma Falite, Vrentoma Velis, Vranekavagasivia, Shuvina Kavataka Zovoda, Zovondabe, Kovange Vegele de Vegasivia, Kuvaka Vakata for Zovonakata. Zovei kreveke vegele baskaya. Yuvanda bozabelanta. Kuma vake vana vasanta laya. Ora vlege 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 vlege. Vrege bozovo tango vala mandenge belezia. Grace 
Christ, for speed for me, for my family. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. There are some doors that will, God has ordained will open. He ought to open for you next year. But listen to me. Some of them need to be moved into the earlier part of the year. Some of those opportunities need to be moved into the earlier part of the year. And how do I know this? Part of dominion is dominion over time. Listen, listen to me. They toiled all night. They caught nothing. This was during the day. Ideally, even if you're going to tell me to get something, you tell me to come back tomorrow night. But Jesus said, you don't need to come back tomorrow night. They don't need to go out tomorrow night. Okay? We can do it now. You can make it. You don't need to wait till the following night. During the day. That's why it says your gates shall not be shut day or night. Exactly. Day or night. So certain strategic doors that ought to have opened that's not yet open. That the next cycle is still going to be July. The next cycle is going to be August. The next opportunity is going to be that God will bring it forward for you. God will bring it forward for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. God will bring it forward for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. God will bring it forward for you. He said the hour is late. Send them out. Let them go and buy food for themselves. He said they don't need to go anywhere. Tell them to sit down here. The hour is late, but tell them to sit down here. We're going to bring it forward. He said, oh, I know that on the day of the resurrection, in the last days, my brother Lazarus will rise up again. He said, I am the resurrection and the, and the life. I'm the resurrection. He will rise up on the last day. Jesus said, I'm here now. I brought forth his own resurrection in the last days. I brought it into now. In the name of Jesus Christ. A testimony that will silence your critics in the month of January. Receive in Jesus' name. Please don't take this lightly. People that have been asking you now, where is your God? They have been asking you now, where is your God? A testimony that they will not be able to deny. A testimony that will seal their mouth. A testimony that will seal their tongue. Receive in Jesus' name. Receive in Jesus' name. I have the sharing of the Spirit to pray for somebody here that... A testimony that is timely. I don't know where would applies that timely, just timely. He says the creditors are coming to take my sons. They're going to come tomorrow morning. If something doesn't happen today, they have to come tomorrow morning. It's going to be a lot worse than I thought. If something needs to happen, a timely testimony, a timely breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, wherever you are, you lift those hands now. Timely testimonies that will glorify Jesus Christ and put the enemy to shame. Receive in Jesus' name. I decree it in the name of Jesus. I decree it in the name of Jesus Christ. I decree it in the name of Jesus Christ. Second 
Kings 7 verse 1, which is where we started from at 7 a.m. Sorry, at 9 a.m. this morning, as we close 9 a.m. service this morning. There was famine in the land. Maybe you should first give me 2 Kings 6 24. 2 Kings 6 24. It happened after this that Ben Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And he said, Great famine was in Samaria. Great famine. Then go to 2 Kings 7 verse 1. 2 Kings 7 verse 1. Thank you so much. Elijah said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. How will this happen? Elijah, Elijah said in stain, the people he said it to, they even had no mechanism, no plan to bring, even if they said they wanted to act on that, they couldn't act on that. Because please listen carefully. Listen, listen, listen. Is wanting to tell the woman, the widow, and say, go and borrow vessels. Pour this little jar of oil into the empty vessels, and when it's full, go and sell. That's one level. This particular level of the prophetic is different. It's a higher level. It is a, a level that speaks and creates at the same time. It speaks, and as it speaks, it creates. So once you are able to take it and believe it, the signal for the manifestation is somebody else that picks it somewhere. They pick it. They don't know what they picked. It just comes to their heart. Can you handle spiritual things? Yeah. Acts 7.23. Acts 7.23. When he was 40 years old, he's talking about Moses here. What, did, what happened to him? He came to his house to do what? Uh -huh. You see, for you to come into his heart like what the Bible just summarized as coming to his heart, it is something that's been <coughs> in the realm of the spirit that suddenly he entered his heart. And Peter says, you know what? There's this sister. I, I saw her, I think it was 2016. I met her in that surprise when I came. Ah, I, I don't know why I keep on remembering this sister. I think I need to visit the church again. Oh, let me find out somebody that has her number. And then so you get the number and the person calls and says, hey, hello, I'm, it's been a long time, so and so and so and so and so. You see, he came into his heart. Because, he came into his heart because something was said into the atmosphere. Can you handle deep spiritual things? So, 2 Kings chapter 7 verse 1 again, he said, hear the word of the Lord. This is how I live my life, oh. This is how I live my life. You don't, you don't even know you came to this church because something came into your heart. Anyway. <laughs> don't be afraid, don't worry. <laughs> so we're like, eh? <laughs> Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Okay, then what happened then after he said that? Verse 5. You know, if you read from verse 3, they will tell you that four lepers were at the gate. Verse 5 says, those four lepers rose at twilight. He just came into that. Maybe we should take it so that we read it. Let's read from verse 3 so that it can make sense because some people have, they don't know these stories because they've not come to, they've not read this in the, in the, before. There's this new thing on Instagram where people will line up Old Testament, New Testament, and they will say, Book of Judges, they'll come to the New Testament. <laughs> Those kind of people, they don't, know, they don't know anything about the Bible. Philemon, Old Testament. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Young adults. I saw it on our Instagram page. I said, Oh. Now there were four Genesis. New Testament. 
there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. Minding their own business, they suddenly they said to one another, why are we sitting down here until we die? You can't dissociate what they were saying to each other from the word that Elisha released. Verse 4. If we say, and look at the logical articulation of their thinking. If we say we enter the city, the famine is in the city, we die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. Stop there. Let me show you something that's going on When those lepers eventually found those Syrians have run away, if you ask somebody what brought about this testimony, they will say four lepers that thought it true. And they're right, but they're not complete. Something triggered that thinking process. So even for you as an individual, when the prophetic word is released, it triggers a thinking process. Your, your mind is able to be open to see an angle you did not see before. Then verse 5 says, they now, this is the most important part for me. They rose at what time? Twilight. To go to the camp of the Syrians. Jump to verse 7 quickly because of time. Let's do this. Verse 7. Therefore, this is, let people understand this. Go to verse 6, please. I'm sorry. Verse 6, so that they can understand. This is the Syrians talking here. Yeah? The Syrian army said, look at the way. Go to verse 5. It's more difficult to explain when you've not seen it. And they arose at twilight to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Why? For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. Now, look at the way they are interpreting the event. So, they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Now, listen to this. If you ask the Syrian army, why did you run? Nobody could convince them that it was not a hired army. There's no way you can convince them. They, they even gave the name to the army. They said it's the army of the Hittites and the Egyptians. They didn't just say hey, an army. That tells you how real this thing is. So what happens then, keep going. Therefore, they arose and fled. What time? And they left the camp intact. Tents, horses, their donkeys, and everything. They fled now for their lives. Lift those hands if you want to receive this. Father, I honor you. I thank you. I stand in the privilege office you put me in by the election of grace. As I declare these words over your children. All around the world right now, everywhere on the surface of this earth that God created according to Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord, the fullness there of the world and those that dwell in it. Any person that can be an instrument to facilitate your next level, to facilitate the manifestation of what will bring you great joy. Right now, I speak by the authority of God's word. In the name of Jesus, may they be activated. Defeated in Jesus' name. What belongs to you in destiny, wherever it is now, whoever will be a facilitator, whoever will be a helper of destiny, whoever will be an indirect help, whoever will be a, a direct help, 
whoever will be an executive help, whoever will help, right now, may they be activated in Jesus' name. On the authority of God's word, by the 31st of January, I declare over you, you will shout for joy. 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 Now shout for joy. Now shout for joy. Now shout for joy. Now shout for joy. Shout for joy. Shout for joy. One more time. Shout for joy. If you are bold enough to do this, but I'm bold enough to do this, and for some people this is going to be literal, for some of us it's going to be in a figure of speech. You're going to go to at least seven people. If you have to leave your seat, you leave your seat, and then we come back and we take our offerings. This is what we're going to do. You're going to go at least seven people. And for our online family, you're going to put it on the chat. You tell them, you will see my bundle of joy. You will see my bundle. Come on, come on, come on. Tell them, hey, you will see my bundle of joy. You will see, you will see my bundle of joy in the You will see it. You will see my bundle of joy in Flatoma Fekasevekataya. You will see my bundle of joy. You will see. I will see your bundle of joy. And you will see my bundle of joy. I will see your bundle of joy. And you will see my bundle of joy. Three people that will be the first to source the bundle of joy. Come on, we are my three people that will be the first to source the bundle of joy. Wherever you are, stamp that feet on the floor and burn your mouth. Give him a shout. Oh my God, my God, my God, my God. I thought you said I would see a bundle of joy. I thought you said I would see a bundle of joy. Why are you not dancing? Why are you not jumping? Why are you not clapping? Why are you not singing? Hey! 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 You will see my bundle of joy. I will see your bundle. first service in January is on the 7th of January. Whose joy will be the biggest, the greatest on that day? Let me hear you give him a shout of praise one more time. Uh, please, if you're coming to church for the first time, we've entered the prophetic dimension of grace. Please, okay, be sensitive. One more time, listen, this is not emotionalism, this is, you've entered the dimension now. All right? If you're sensitive, you can pick that. Listen carefully to me. Listen to me. You will see my bundle of joy. I will see your bundle of joy. I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit. It's not everybody that has only one child in their womb. Some give birth to twins. Some is triplets. We even have what is called quadruplets. 
we've known some people are giving back even up to eight. So, bundles. <laughs> bundles. Why do we have, these are very strong things. Why do we have to limit ourselves? Oh, come on now. If I will carry your bundles of joy, if I will hear the stories about your bundles of joy, if I will see your bundles of joy, let me see you cheek a bit. Let me see you dance a bit. If I want to clap a bit, you might want to tap your face. You might want to shout, give yourself, express yourself. You might want to run a bit. You might want to jump a bit. Whatever you're doing, just give him some praise. Give him crazy praise for 20 seconds. Dance like somebody that has bundles of joy. Shout like somebody that has bundles of joy. Praise him like somebody that has bundles of joy. Dance like somebody that has bundles of joy. Hallelujah. I will see your bundles of joy. And you will see my bundles of joy. In Jesus' mighty name. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.